poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Chasing Poker Greatness. Now, nestled in the foothills of a mountain range, Greatness Village is the promised land the Chasing Poker Greatness community calls home. Here, you'll find elite teachers, aspiring pros, and primitive tribal warriors who grew tired of their old ways and found a better path. These are the stories of Greatness Village on Chasing Poker Greatness. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson. And today I have another tale from the village. I'm joined by Chasing Poker Greatness, Greatness Villager, Ian Armijo. Ian's been in the world of poker since the Moneymaker days, but took quite a hiatus in between that included a couple of exciting ventures that Ian's going to tell you about. So without any further ado, what's up, Armijo? How you doing, sir? Welcome to the show. What's happening, Brad? I'm doing great. I'm I'm balls deep into a birthday celebration today, so it's a good day. <laughs> Whose birthday? It's uh, mine, but more importantly, it's uh, Doyle Brunson's birthday. Today. He's 88 today. Wow. Happy right. birthday. Well, <laughs> happy birthday. I had no idea. Um, happy birthday, Doyle, I guess. 88. That's that's an age. That's quite right, the I thought age. He was, I thought he was 88 like 20 years ago, so I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> that's true. He's an old 88. Um, <laughs> so as we tend to do on the show, let's talk about your journey through cards. Could you tell the listener how it was that you fell into the world of playing poker. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's it's kind of, from my point of view, very Americana. You know, I grew up in a blue-collar family. Um, let's rewind to the 80s. I was born in 81. And, uh, you know, a weird decade. But for me, growing up at that time, you know, my 80s universe was my my parents, my grandparents, and my G.I. Joes in my backyard. You know, that's all I knew. So so people like my grandfather were were larger than life characters. You know, I idolized him. He was a, he was a manly man. He's blue collar guy, a trucker. So whatever he did, like at that time, that's what I wanted to do and be. And, uh, once a year, it was opening day of fishing the night before he would go down to his lake house. My uncles would go down and they go into the basement and they would have their annual poker game. And this was like, this was the stuff of legends. It was mythic. It was once a year. I didn't know what the hell poker was, but I knew I couldn't go cause I was a kid. But they were down there doing it, and I wanted to be a part of that, you know. So, so my childhood growing up was was waiting to get to that age where I could sit in in that poker game. <laughs> this is, and of course, time goes by, and uh, I think the age they told me I was I had to be sixteen or something. Um, it just fell apart, you know. It, it's everything, you know. People move on, their life changed and stuff like that. So, so I never got to fulfill that that childhood dream of of being in the poker game. But that's when I was introduced to the concept of of the game and 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 the the mythic status it created in my mind for what it was, you know, it's what men did kind of a thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And so after that seed was planted, you know, tell me about, you know, growing up 
and just you know the tales of your life and any influence into strategy what you're interested in what your plan or path was uh as a kid yeah yeah well i mean uh, fast forward uh getting into high school of course we start to find out who you are become a person um that you become um i went to school on south whidbey island whidbey island it's something nobody's ever heard of unless you're in the navy uh, up in washington state small small town thing uh ended up having a couple of buddies that uh, you make in, you know, you make friends in high school, and these guys I've been friends with since then, as a matter of fact. But uh, it must have been, it must have coincided with the movie Rounders coming out. I don't know when that came out, but I want to say it was like 98, 99, when I was in high school. So that sparks the interest. And at the time, I'm in high school, I got a full-size van, right? And you're just like, ooh, full-size van in high school, holy shit, right? But for me, you know, I was, just, I was a nerd, so it was like, that's just where I hung out. <laughs> me and my friends hung out. I had my little 13-inch black and white TV that I could plug into the, the cigarette lighter and with the antennas and shit. So they'd come over and uh, and we'd play cards. We'd play with the you know the bicycle chips, no idea what the hell we were doing. Um, and that was just kind of our jam after school for a while, going through high school, because you know, we're just kind of a loner group. And and uh, that was my first taste of actually playing. And and it always like it always tugged at me though. I never had that chance to to play with you know with the guys with the men in my life from that earlier poker game but it still fostered an interest in the game and uh, at the time of course it was it wasn't anything like post moneymaker it was it was just intimate it's it's a it's a, to me it was a, a very intimate experience um a bonding experience kind of thing i don't i don't really know how to explain it but it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't mainstream any of that type stuff so it, it held a special place in my heart as far as as far as that goes. Graduate, move on with life a little bit. Turned uh, twenty one, which uh, doing the math, I can't think of it, but essentially, <laughs> I wanted to be a poker dealer. <laughs> Ninety two? Oh no, two thousand two, two thousand two. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. I was just enough, old enough to uh, to work in a casino, and I'm like, well, shit, you know, I've, I've this has been in the back of my mind forever. Maybe I'll go try being a dealer. And of course, I have the the images of the cowboy hats and the guy with the shotgun under the table and shit. You know all the all the Hollywood stuff that you create in your mind. But I I'm in Everett, Washington at the time. And if you're an Alex Fitzgerald fan, um, in his book Exploitative Poker, he talks about growing up and learning poker in Everett. And that's it was Casino Row, it was the same exact uh, area that he learned to play poker. And I was just a little earlier, but uh, got a job. We're dealing. I'm dealing two four limit mostly. Limit was the only thing out at the time. Mm -hmm. um which is kind of hilarious looking back but uh <clears throat> and uh i just remember distinctly one night i'm going we're dealing and, and we know the world series is happening but it's just kind of the gossip column right like um it, we're aware of it and uh somebody comes in and you guys won't believe this is this crazy guy named Dame moneymaker won the world series and i was like oh that's kind of funny you know who you know at the time it was just it was just kind of a funny anecdotal story that somebody came up came in with uh, and then, of course, that was probably what November, obviously. And then uh, it was aired, I believe, in early 2004, like January, or February on ESPN. Mm -hmm. And I was still dealing. And we watch it. And, uh, you know, it goes down and Sammy Farhar gets taken down. And it was just like it was it was interesting being there at the time. Obviously, it wasn't big yet. But then almost, I mean, really soon after that, it exploded, even in the local card rooms that I was at. Like poker became mainstream. Everybody was all of a sudden an expert. There was a whole bunch of people coming in, uh, trying it out, and it became saturated. And for me, my what I had in my mind of what it was, that intimate 
thing that I had with my family and my friends was just destroyed. And I'm just like, this is so <laughs> fucking lame. Like this moneymaker guy comes in, ruins my childhood, ruins my high school, ruins my, my whole sense of being at the time. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to hang it up, man. I, I can't do it. Why, so I, why, why this like path of being the rebel and doing things that are like not mainstream? You know, that's, <laughs> that's kind of a funny, I don't, there's probably some reflection to be done there. I, I, I have been described as people close to me as the guy who's going to hate everything that everybody loves. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I probably just, I have a, almost like a jester's mentality. It's, it's, it's funny to be not the asshole, but the, but the devil's advocate sometimes, I guess I just to stand out in some way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Probably I don't know. I don't know how that makes me feel about you being one of the prominent villagers on the show. Now it's <laughs> <laughs> it makes me think maybe, maybe your opinion of, of what, what we're doing here is not so good. Well, that, well, I'm, I'm taken back by that. Using that description of me is uh, that, that meant a lot to me. So thank you. I, I, I wouldn't see myself as that, but that was cool. But anyway, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it probably comes from some weird deep down thing of being a loner and kid. I, don't, I have no, but, uh, but yeah, it was just, but yeah, this moneymaker effect that everybody just raved about, latched onto, turned my world upside down. I said, fuck this, I'm out. And uh, that was, I was probably, you know, early 20s. And I went on to pursue uh, what I guess would be called an entrepreneurial career or self-employed career um, from them for the next, for next, I mean, pretty much 20 years. But uh so what was Which, that? What's your self-employed entrepreneurial now that career one, look that's like? A, that's, that's a bigger story. So a lot of, okay, so uh, the easiest version of saying it is I would either start or purchase a small business, build up to the point where it's profitable and could be resold, and then I would resell it for a profit. And that's, I'd, I'd churn and burn because it kind of, it, it fulfilled my ADD side of having to, you know, shiny object, new things. I'm not to stay anywhere in one place. How did you get into this? Like, this is pretty, um, this is interesting. It's, you know, this is what I haven't even questioned of myself necessarily. Cause again, I come from the blue collar family. Like you went to work, you punched in, you worked hard, you punched out, you took care of your family. And, and I've never had that. I've always been jealous of people that could do that. Um, the way my mind, because the way my mind works and, and why I've been successful in what I've done is I have an insane obsessive like compulsion personality. So if I'm good diving into something or if I'm involved in something, especially in the business world, it's eat, sleep, drink, everything 24 seven, cannot turn it off gung ho, which I'm sure you've experienced building, building your business. It's that it becomes you. And it's, it's a detriment because I mean, it's something I wouldn't wish on anybody, which is kind of ironic because everybody looks at my life. They're like, dude, you got all the money and the free time and the da 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 and I'm like, no, I don't. I live in my own, my head is my prison. Like, I don't have any free time. Like, as I'm talking to you right now, this is, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about this deal or that deal or da 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 some aspect of whatever particular business I'm involved in. And it's just how my brain works. It, it just, it just suit me. I don't know why I wasn't raised like that. Um, like, money's not a motivator for me. It's just how I operate as a person. But, uh, my, my characteristics apparently lent themselves to it. Like typically if you were to describe somebody self-employed or an entrepreneur business person, they would be self-disciplined, educated, uh, you know, all those aspects. I don't have any of that shit. I have two <laughs> things. 
I have an extremely obsessive personality and a blue collar work ethic. I'll bust my ass. I'm not afraid of work. So put those things together and, and, and you can, you could do well essentially, but, but yeah, being jealous of somebody who can go clock in, do their job, turn it off and be done with work and go enjoy life. Like, Oh my God, that's like, that's like, sounds like heaven to me, <laughs> but I'm just not programmed that way. I mean, my path has not lent itself to that either. Although I was never jealous of that. I was always, right, right, right. I was always antagonistic of that. Like I want to own my time. I want to do what I want to do. I want to have autonomy. Right. And because, uh, you know, my, my family, my parents, my dad, my grandpa, they all worked 16 hours a day and had to be somewhere every, like seven days a week, pretty much. Right. Right. Um, and I just didn't want to, I didn't want that to be the way that my life was dictated. Right. Um, ironically, when you're building a business, you kind of build that <laughs> yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you build all the walls around yourself and exactly. then you're like, Oh shit. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm in this now. Like what, what, what have I done? Um, yep. you know, we were talking just in the pre-call, right? Like this is number five podcast that I've done today and my schedule over the past few weeks, you know, I've had something like over 20 on average appointments each, each week. And it's tiring. And you're right. You can't turn it off. You think about it 24 seven. What could I be doing better? How could I upgrade this? How could I do that? And so I think that all the other things, the education, the knowledge, all that stuff is secondary to that drive and yep. this sort of compulsion to do what is necessary, no matter what. And that's just really the bottom line. And I think that even in the poker world, that's what will allow people to be successful if they do what is necessary and don't let anything hold them back and they just work and work and work. Um, yeah. It's really a great metaphor for life. And so you built businesses, you sold them. Tell me about what's like a favorite business that you built up and then sold. Is, I got, I got one that stands out like none other. So I don't remember the time period, but I'm, I'm dating a girl at the time. She's a hairdresser. So she gets a job at a children's hair salon. That's a thing. That, exactly right we're on the same page already i love it <laughs> i'm like what the fuck does that mean <laughs> and essentially if you go in it's like a chuck e cheese where they cut your hair i mean it's 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 totally kid themed you sit in like a little car and they cut your hair and it was it was like interesting and, and i had no i had no idea about this business or this industry but i saw like holy shit this is a niche thing like if people know about this you're you know you're doing well Mm -hmm. um, fast forward a little bit the owner at the time was uh getting older wanting to move on want to retire um i became friends with friends with him and he's like hey and you know you're in the business stuff is this something you might want to take you know you, i'll give you a hell of a deal and i'm like fuck it you know i'm i'm, I'm in between the in the project so yeah i jumped on it and <laughs> so so i'm i own it's called fun cuts it's a children's hair salon weirdest damn thing a lot of fun you'd think um, I don't know if you, have you brought your girls to get a haircut? I have. Yeah. And like at a younger age, did they enjoy it? Uh, they, did they tolerate it? Yeah, they were okay. Like they, okay. they were a little tentative. Um, it was just like a great clips deal. So, okay. You're lucky. You're lucky. Cause Holy Jesus Christ. There's kids that you would think we were ripping their fingernails out <laughs> trying to cut their hair. I mean, it's just wailing and screaming and flailing and, and we're in a strip mall and there's the kicker, the best part. Our next door neighbor, the next business over, was the Army Recruiting Center. <coughs> so I go over there, and I'm, I'm curious one day, because this kid's just losing his goddamn mind. And I'm like, 
I'm, I'm starting to get embarrassed. Like, I wonder if our neighbors can hear this shit. <laughs> so I go over to the army recruiting recruitment center. They're all kind of smiling. I'm like, oh my God, because I can hear it now through their wall. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, you guys. They're like, are you kidding me? That's our running joke over here. When somebody comes in to sign up, we say, do you hear that? That's what you're signing up for. That's basic <laughs> training right there. Can you hear what you're signing up for? So they, they turned that, this, this traumatic experience that the kid's having into, into their like running joke. It was just freaking hilarious. <clears throat> but yeah, children, it was, it was weird, man. It was, it was all weird. Um, yeah. Held on to that for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, that one was good going in and it was great going out. It was just an industry that, that I didn't have to put, you know, I couldn't obsess about because it was already rocking. So it was short lived, but it was profitable. But yeah, it, it stood out. Just the walking into the army, the army recruitment center. They're like, yeah, you hear that? That's basic training going on over there. Are you ready for that? It was just, it was just perfect. And it really stood out. <laughs> a yeah. highlight of my a highlight of my career. Ingenuity. Gotta gotta use what you got. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, That's brilliant. That's I brilliant. actually I would have thought the kids would have had a better time with like Chuck E. Cheese theme. Oh, I totally did too. But it's one of those like I think it's like the the clown thing. It's either fun, you have you love it. Or it's death fear. Didn't like, your holy... girlfriend tell you? <laughs> no, <laughs> didn't, she, right? didn't she like give you any sort of insight? And like, <laughs> right. uh, th- I don't think this thing is like what you think it is. Well, it's one of those like, well, some kids don't like it. You know, I mean, they're not going to say she was screaming bloody murder. And, you know, I thought I was killing the goddamn <laughs> kid kind of thing. <laughs> but yeah, so that, was, that one was fun. And then, uh, I mean, going down the line, I've done, a, you know, a bunch of the small businesses in, in, in the small towns. Um, but then... Uh, What's kind your favorite of a, part of the process? Um, man, I think the initial coming up with how I'm going to do it. How am I going to do it different than the other guy that makes it just a little bit better and makes it more appealing? Why is it going to succeed over A or B? Because I'm not reinventing anything. I'm not inventing a new thing. I'm I'm creating something that exists just a little bit better, and and coming up with customer relations and customer support and, and, you know, interacting with the people, things like that um, are probably what I, what I like the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh, I mean, deep down overall, I like the fact that I can simply lose myself in it and it, I can occupy my mind with it all the time. I find comfort in that. I find comfort in just hiding in my own brain and solving problems, you know, sometimes creating problems that don't exist just so I can solve them. But <laughs> why, why, why go through those links, Armijo? What's that? Well, why go through, why so uncomfortable um, just kind of existing without diving full blast into a project? I, I, I don't know. I, if I had to look back, I would say it was like, like in my 20s, my dad wasn't there. Ran into some issues with that, you know, some deep down that I didn't even know I had as a kid. So, I mean, this is just like a weird personal story, but it's something that I have, you're asking, and I have linked it to some of the feelings that I've had and why I've had them is um, dad was kind of, he wasn't there. Mom never talked shit about him, nothing like that, even though she had every right to, I didn't realize that till I was older, but um, then he ended up calling me out of the blue when I was in my twenties and uh, oh, shit, I'm going to get emotional just talking about it, but, but, uh, and just hearing his voice brought up every lonely, angry, all the every negative feeling that I couldn't explain growing up as a kid and as a young adult just surfaced just hearing his voice. And I'm like, holy shit, I probably and there's some repressed shit there. I got I got some sort of weird fucking daddy issue or something that I never I never even knew I had. So I think that was a big part of it that I don't even know how or why. I mean, I don't you know, a psychologist could probably tell you, but but uh 
that created a feeling of, of just a weird finding comfort in loneliness kind of thing, you know, and maybe it was just the disappointment. I, I don't know. I don't, you know, deep down, I don't know. I just know that when that call happened, that everything surfaced and I'm like, holy shit, that's where this is all, a lot of this is coming from. That and, uh, um, Shit, you got me going down personal road here. I don't know if it's interesting at all to the. I'm sure that When I was born, I was born with a genetic disorder called cystic fibrosis. It's something um, very few people have heard of. It's it's considered a childhood disease because typically when you're born, you're given you know to a few years to live. You're supposed to you're supposed to die off early. Um, this is in the 80s, of course, so things have come a long way. This is before DNA and all that shit. And so, me growing up, my life expectation was was tomorrow at best kind of thing so deep down there was probably a lot of resentment towards that at least in the earlier years when it was when it wasn't normal for my life yet like everybody else was so happy and had plans and futures and da 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 da, da. and i'm like fuck all y'all I'm, I'm 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 as good as dead i'm a dead man walking essentially um so that was a big part of my wanting to be introverted not open myself up to people you know stay inside myself because i'm just going to wither off and die kind of thing probably but but, uh, but yeah, it's interesting. That one, that one's a big one. Cause going forward, you live past this benchmark then you live past this benchmark. Now I'm like 40. I'm like a fucking dinosaur in cystic fibrosis years. Right. It's, it's, and, uh, the ironic thing about this, and this is fairly recent, um, FDA just approved. It's, it's a pill. It's, it's, well, it's two pills, two pills a day. You take it. It's not a cure but it counterdicts everything that cystic fibrosis affects, which is respiratory system, digestive system, every, every system in your body, it fucks up essentially. This pill counterdicts, counteracts all of those effects. And I've been on this thing for like two months. And for a guy like me, what that means is like, as if, like if I was talking to you and I said, hey, Brad, you've got cancer, you've got six months to live. Okay, you know how powerful, how heavy that would be to you? I'm walking in there, I'm like, they're like, hey, Ian, you have a lifetime to live. It's, it's, it's like, that is a mind fuck for me, man. <laughs> like, like it's, it's that powerful as if you, as if a person who is healthy is going to be losing their life. I've been given a life that, that I just didn't anticipate. And I, I, I never lived for that. Like I've, I've lived a pretty crazy, reckless life lifestyle um, because there wasn't necessarily a tomorrow. And how, now there is. And how does I that fuck. feel? How does it feel? I don't have now? retirement. I don't have any retirement. I don't fucking uh, my my joints hurt. My back hurts. It sucks. <laughs> it's fucking terrible, man. <laughs> but I planned on folding. I planned I was, on I like what? Be, I gotta oh, keep yeah, going. Like, like this bum knee. Like oh shit, I gotta <laughs> deal with this now. <laughs> so it, it's and, and it, I, it's hard to talk because nobody understands that. Like no, I'm. It, it's incredibly disappointing to be given that 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 theoretical lease on life. Nobody's guaranteed it anyway, but. Um, but when you, all you know is that's not a reality for you, when that becomes a reality, it's, uh, it's it fucks with your head. So meanwhile, I'm like, hell, if I'm going to be here, I'm going to do something I love. I'm going to play some cards and get involved in a, in a wonderful community that's very supportive that, uh, that I really, I feel like I fit in, even though I'm an outcast and everything else <laughs> in the greatness village and, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna live life, you know? fish dog bets the flop and you don't know what to do one man coach brad wilson has a surefire plan to neutralize flop leads and rip that dunk to shreds no fall available now
Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash Nuffle. R. 100 NL player, former Sergeant Elijah Shears. Before I got Nuffle, I had run into a lot of dock bets. And I think once you play a certain amount of hands, you know there's something wrong with our opponent's strategies, but you don't know how to play to maximize CP against it. And it's very frustrating. I looked at the document and I couldn't believe that I paid money for it. I actually doubted that it could provide value because it was so brief. But since then, it's repaid me just over and over and over again. And it's one of the most consistent money makers built into my strategy that sheds light on just how bad your opponents are. And it took me 20 minutes to perfect it. And it's just amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm speechless. It's just that good. The simplicity of it is part of it being a masterpiece. <laughs> Nuffle. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash courses. Tell me, tell me, Armijo. So, you know, you mentioned your dad and the cystic fibrosis. And those two things combined, I can right. say as a father, you know, uh, abandoning a family and a child who you don't know what their life expectancy is going to be is sort of next level, uh, for lack of a better word, cruelty, because you don't know, right? And right. that's, to me, those thoughts, did you deal with those thoughts in your head of your dad leaving that like, man, like, I don't, I don't even have much time here. And like, he's not even going to spend the time that I have with me. Right. Right. And that's in the back of my head. That's probably it. Like I'm just the type of person I don't blame anybody for anything other than myself. Like anything I'm done or in, or it's, I, I, you know, children aren't innocent. Nobody's innocent. I get flack for that, but it's just everybody, whatever's happening to them or happens to them in their life is a direct result from a decision they made. Now I'm not saying that person is guilty. I'm not saying anybody's necessarily guilty in a bad situation, but, but I, I'm not, you know, I, I don't point fingers at anybody. My dad is who he, I mean, I, I don't say he fucked up. I don't give him that much credit. I don't say he, any, I, he's just a person that I knew about at one point in time, you know, um, these bonds matter, though. They, they probably do. And honestly, for me, I'm probably just trying to bury it. And I don't want to give it that, that weight or that credit. I don't want to give it. There's, there's something that we talk about a lot in the elites program. And it's about emotions and giving ourselves the latitude to feel our emotions. Because, because basically, if you don't, then they just get buried and right. they manifest in other more dangerous and harmful ways and you deal with it right you carry that baggage of these repressed emotions with you throughout your life and you know it's clear that that had a major effect on you and you know it's okay to feel upset and disappointed right. and because i think that that's what the situation merits you know sure. do you have sure. a relationship with your dad now or you just talk to him in your mid twenties and then that was it. Um, ironically, I just got a, uh, a message from him on uh, Facebook. Happy birthday. Love you. Shit like that. So that was, uh, you know, that's the annual he's alive and not dead. And I won't collect any kind of cool insurance money or anything kind of thing. So, <laughs> so, so no, that's, that's it. You know, I, I'm, um, again, I, I, 
sure he, I, you know, I'm not sure. I don't give a fuck what he thinks, but all I know, he's a person. I knew him as a kid. Um, he treated my mom like shit. My mom's a saint, so he can fuck off. I mean, I, that's 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 all the hate I'm going to give him. That's all the love I'm going to give. That's all the anything I'm going to give him uh, is that. Now, is that bottling inside of me? Is that re- resulted in some questionable decisions in my life that were destructive? Yes, sir. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I recognize that. And I'll just chalk that up to being stupid. But well, we all, but yeah. got, we all got our stupid, stupid. Exactly. That exactly. I'm, <laughs> that I'm human. That's it. <laughs> engaged in. So nobody's immune. Um, <laughs> so moving forward, you know, you had an 18 year or so hiatus after Moneymaker. Right, um, right. You were businessman, and then you're also engaged in some other activity. You mentioned reckless activity, so let's talk about <laughs> some recklessness. Yeah, I think it actually that probably segues well into this, at least to the Hollywood version. So, so the story is, I'm I'm living in Woodbound. Um, my cousin, who's involved in this outlaw motorcycle club, you know, it's like, what the fuck is that, right? Of course, I have my Hollywood version of that and what that, all that means and what that entails, and. My mom's like, hey, your cousin wants to he wants to come up here to this club and, and camp. Because I got, you know, my mom's house is a farm and a bunch of acres and shit. I want to come camp for the weekend. And I'm like, okay, okay, well, I'm gonna go down there. I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna do some push-ups and walk in there and make sure these guys treat my mom and my, you know, my my mom's property with respect. You know, these these hooligans, these these outlaw guys, right? So I go down there and, and uh, start hanging out, and they're, you know. At first glance, they have the, I haven't showered since 1971. I fucking, <laughs> I got a 10-inch knife on my hip. All this, all the typical shit you would expect. But I started interacting with them. And we're hanging out, and we're talking, and we're drinking. And it's the first time I really felt, it was weird, like there was a, like a group or a community that I fit in with. Like these guys were all just as fucked up as I was. They were all just as outcast as I was. They were all just as loving and caring and awesome as I felt I was at the same time, the side that nobody sees, of course. So that was the first interaction. They camp. We have a great time. I start going down and hanging out and uh, just just spending time in that world with this particular club. And eventually I'm like, you know what, man? Um, I'm, you know, again, I still have that. There's no tomorrow. So, you know, I can still do what I do for, for, in the business realm, but why don't I go and pursue something that I feel comfortable and I feel welcome and I feel like I'm a part of something like everybody wants to do. So I pursue that. I ended up going through the prospecting period and uh, and become a patch holder, as it's called. And uh, what's a prospecting so, period? What does that mean? A prospect. So first, you're gonna hang out or hang around. You're gonna see, make sure nobody wants to kick your ass, you know, <laughs> and uh, see if you fit in. Essentially, it's a family because it's a family. This thing is a straight up family. And at one point, you'll, you'll say, hey. I would like to further my my involvement, my progress into this family. And you'll go in and you'll ask them, and they'll say yay or nay. And at that point, you it's it's what I would describe for for the layman as a, as a hazing period. It's where it's where you're gonna do funny stuff, do stupid stuff, you know, be there all the time. Da 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 da. Grab you know you know you're gonna be. It's like going to a, it's like rush week or whatever college or whatever you know people do. The hazing period where they put you to the test. What'd you they do? What, 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 how'd they haze you? Well, it's, uh, this is one of those in this area and this lifestyle, you gotta, you gotta live it. You gotta experience it. You know, it's, 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 it's not something that, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a sacred experience and everybody's is different. 
and it's it's one of the and of course being part of this world there's a lot of stuff that's just not talked about and and, and it's wow. all the same so it's secret <laughs> it's it's secret and you it can't is. can't get any details that right. just it makes is, everybody want to know more by the way right and that's beautiful i love it. that's 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 part of the lure of it like i went to it you guys <laughs> wish you knew right no, <laughs> no it, it's imagine i mean just imagine hazing um it's for those of you who went to college for those of you who went through the military there's you know Hazing type stuff. And I, you know, that's, that's as far as I'll go. If you're interested in it, step up and prospect, suit your guy. <laughs> <laughs> you're really just that. like making cakes for little old ladies on the weekends Definitely. or something. And, that's... and, and, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, well, I mean, so I can, I'll tell this story. So I still have that, that other side that's, that's not club related life and family and stuff and friends. And, and uh, you get, oh my God, some of the questions you get are just like, just hilarious. Cause I saw it on TV or whatever. And uh, so it's like, man, what'd you guys do this weekend? I'm like, dude, you wouldn't fucking believe this, dude. We roll in hot, this old guy's house. He's in a fucking wheelchair, ready to handle some business. We roll in there, dude, we built a deck off of in front of his house so he could wheelchair his, his wheelchair up into his house <laughs> without somebody fucking helping him, dude. Then we drank <laughs> beers and we left and it was awesome. You know, it was like, you know, so I take a, something like that, that we do that anybody would do. And, uh, you know, add the, add the flair just almost, almost to, to be an asshole about it. Cause, cause that's, I mean, that's what it is. It's a family. I mean, well, it, it, I mean, if you think about it, it can't really be like it is on TV or movies because you would all be dead in like a week. Exactly. <laughs> You'd exactly. live the life for like seven days and then you would all be dead and there would be no gang anymore. <laughs> That's the other side of it. Like, but what about this? This happened. This is in the news. Or this happened. This is in the news. Show me an organization that doesn't have all of these elements that are in every single organization. Everybody has the lawbreaker. Everybody has... The liar everybody has the lover the fighter i mean everything every organization or group has all the elements that a, that a motorcycle club would have ours is just ours is just sexier because of hollywood because of tv you know because of things of that nature it's not about clubs either army it's just people like you get a group exactly. of, you get a group of people yep. any large number of people and you're just going to have a bunch of different types and that's exactly right that's just how how it works you know <laughs> That's exactly right. So we just look better. We just look better doing it. So. <laughs> <laughs> we have more leather. Um, I'll right, give you yeah. that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you know, you're doing these things. You're building businesses. You're a member of this motorcycle club. You don't right. really know what you're promised or what tomorrow is going to bring. Um, and I know that you're married now, correct? Right. Not not legally, but we're. Well, this goes to the club thing. We're club married. Okay. What does that mean? That means she hung around. She was accepted as part of uh, the family as well. Out of respect to me and respect to her, she fits in. So she she will actually wear her own version of of the garb that signifies she's part of the family. So we're 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 club married is what is how I would describe that. Gotcha. So basically, they got to approve. They got to be right. like, yo, this chick, we don't like her. You got to. Well, to a degree, to a degree. It's more like they have to see if me and her stick around long enough. Cause it's, 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 I'll be afraid about this. It's a man's world. It's, it's up to me. You know, she's my responsibility. My relationship with her is, a resp- is my responsibility. They have to see that I'm going to be happy with her and our relationship's going to last for a certain period of time before they say, okay, cool. She's part of it. You know, so it's not a, it's not an up to them. It's an up to me. 
but it's out of you know out of almost respect for for my happiness like you know don't meet a chick and get married a week later you know what i mean yeah kind of thing. <laughs> i think there needs to be more protocols like that in, in the right. world where <laughs> people can influence somebody from making a horrible decision because right right have a few things people <laughs> in my head right now that like holy shit um anyway we'll move forward uh <laughs> so you know you are a member of the club you're doing the business stuff how'd you fall back into the world of poker like after moneymaker ruined everything which coincidentally by the way is probably the only reason why you and i are having this conversation it's because of moneymaker um, there really is so I'll, I'll thank him for that <laughs> yeah so how did how did you stumble across greatness village and hop into the community so here comes 2020 Crazy pandemic thing starts going off. Like, okay, cool. I'm I'm high risk in every single category. And at the time it's, you know, it's fake, it's this, it's that, it's blah, blah, blah. Well, my my primary core of doctors are respiratory, critical respiratory specialists. These guys are balls deep in this thing. They they're seeing the people die. They know it's very real. I can see the look on their face. Like, this ain't fake. And being the the at risk that I am, I'm like, I gotta disappear. I have to become a hermit, essentially. So Mm-hmm. So I lock, I fucking, we door dash food, we stay in, we, we go on lockdown, not leaving the house. And I'm like, okay, I mean, I'm a loner and I'm an introvert, but this is driving me bananas. I got to come up with something to do. And uh, I don't know if there was an actual like aha moment, but uh, essentially I'm like, God, you know what? You know what I used to really fucking love it was poker, the whole poker thing. And I'm like, man, you know what? I think, I think that online thing took off. About that same time, like I wonder yeah. if online poker is still a thing. Like I wonder if I can still do this. And I look into it, and of course I get all the, the rundown on the history and the and the UGLMNOP thing, and and all the drama that has become of that. And since then, and uh, stumble on uh, happened to stumble on ignition. They actually accepted a payment from me. I'm like, okay, cool. That's that's all I need to know. You know, I'm ready to rock and roll. So start playing on that, and. Uh, getting the feel for it. I'm not a computer guy at all. So that was a, a real big learning curve, but, uh, start playing on there. Um, I'm like, okay, you know, cause back in my, back when I was dealing, it was fitter fold, super tight. You had Queens are better poker. Like that's how you play. I mean, it was super boring. And as I more and more, I read and just, and, and research, I'm seeing there's, there's all kinds of new study, uh, concepts and ways of playing and ways of studying. I'm like, okay, this could get interesting. Uh, but I better, you know, get some learning materials. So I uh, end up signing up for pokercoaching.com just through a web search and uh, scrolling down, looking at videos. I stumble on this one about language. I'm like, now we're talking. This is interesting. This is interesting. And uh, this guy, Brad Wilson, comes on. He starts talking about different language and, and, and being more specific and, and you know, that those, those webinars that you did. And then uh, during one of them, I think, no, you know what? I don't even know if you mentioned poker greatness. I think I just looked you up chasing poker greatness but uh and i'm like holy crap he's got like a site and, a, and some training stuff and and training products and stuff and pre-flop boot camp oh my god that's right where my head's at i'm ready to get down and go to boot camp and, and study and so i'm like holy shit so really started diving into into your products and the greatness village and how 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 you taught what your what you base your your programs on and your and just you know everything about what you were doing whatever everything you were selling i was buying essentially right so that so I'm doing that, and then uh, I'm, I'm hearing about how you can track your stuff, your information, all your your stats, and da da da. And I ask you, and I'm like, well, what what do you use for for tracking all this stuff? And you're like, hold manager. 
okay, use your referral code, jump on there, sign up for that. Then I see this other one called Poker Tracker. I'm like, green. Yeah. <laughs> I like green a lot more than I fucking like orange. <laughs> so I stick it out with Holder Manager for a while. It's also great. If you want Holder Manager, Brad's got a link, sign up or affiliate code, use it. Once you get tired of emailing tech support every other weekend, not hearing back, go ahead and check out Poker Tracker. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> the hilarious thing about this Armijo, they're owned by the same company. Are they really? Yeah, they are. I don't that know if wild. like one customer support is just like way better than the other, <laughs> but they they were actually owned by um, there's a poker training platform called Card Runners. It was one of the the original poker training platforms. I was actually yeah, a, yeah, a coach there when they went under. But Card okay. Runners bought Holdem Manager and Poker Poker Tracker, and so they owned you know all three of the brands but then closed down uh card runners and i assume they still own both poker tracker and hold a manager interesting that's too funny because they're night and day the user interface everything they, well they were originally separate products and then right, right. they just bought bought both of them up but you would think that like customer support would just be congruent because right. <laughs> they're owned by the same people but <laughs> who knows maybe there's different management or something i don't know that's too funny um, but yeah, but yeah anyway. you start you started tracking your data. Yeah, yeah. That was a trip. I mean, that was that was that was actually really cool. You can dive deep into that, like like real deep. And uh the biggest like light bulb moment for me there, it's kind of segue to something else, but but uh so I got my green line going. That's all I can that's all I know how to do. See my green line, right? For my results. Mm -hmm. I got this 45 degree angle going up. I'm like, okay, cool. But every time I jump on the village, somebody's posting their the graph. And it's got red lines and blue lines. And I'm like, <laughs> the fuck do I do that, man? That's cool. You love colors. So I, hit up, uh, I gotta give a shout out to Rollo. He's my he's my tech guru. I hit him up, he's a fellow villager. And uh, he's like, dude, here, just click this, click this. And all of a sudden everything pops up. And I'm like, oh, fucking sweet. So I'm looking at it and I got a green line doing the 45 up. I got a red line doing the exact opposite, 45 <laughs> degree down. And uh -huh. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what this means, but I don't think it's good. <laughs> so around that time, somebody posts in their graph, posts their graph on the forum, and and you guys start going like, this could be the cause, this could be the cause, not three betting, you know, not not calling down, da 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 da. And almost the same time, I have this light bulb moment, and I think back to Christmas, this last Christmas, and I'm like, oh no way. My mom got me. Uh, have you ever done the Ancestry.com thing where you send in like twenty pounds of spit and they tell you where you're from? <laughs> no, I haven't. Oh, I've, I've, I've been, uh, it's on my radar, but I'm also yeah. terrified to find out where I come from. I think that's, Good. that's a problem. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Growing up. Here's why. Growing up, my mom's side, native. Cool. I'm half native. Dad's side, Scottish. Cool. I'm native and Scottish. All right. That's, that's me growing up. That's what I, that's what I knew. This fucking thing comes back in the mail and it's like sliver, 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 sliver. There's a little native sliver in there. Okay, cool. There's a little Scottish sliver in there. Okay, cool. The biggest sliver in my my DNA is fucking French. <laughs> now, now, what are the French known for? They surrender. I am genetically predisposed to surrender. That explains my red line. Oh, I've determined. Man. That's what it is. It's my heritage. <laughs> How do, you, how do you compete? How do you combat that? Right. The, the French are ferocious. Let's let's oh say some God. kind things about the French, right? Like no, the I'm French, sorry, you know, the Maginot <laughs> line. The French, they were ferocious battlers in, hey, you, you in know, past uh, Napoleon, wars. Napoleon was the man for sure. Napoleon no, tried my... to take over the world. He also is the what led us to 
owning the uh, Louisiana Purchase because yep, he was yep, trying yep. to fund his conquest and ran out of money and sold us that. So that's we have Napoleon right. to thank. Absolutely. Well, saving the French. I like it. Saving the French. That was just at that moment. That's was my thought. It was like <laughs> French surrender, red okay. line. I told like, fuck. You, you're like I'm, you know, half Highlander, half Apache, and right. then you're like, oh shit, I'm seventy two percent French. Uh-oh. Thanks, mom. Thanks for ruining Christmas. Appreciate that. No. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been working on the red line. I, I kind of, I kind of have. It's that's my latest, like uh, I guess, thing in my game that I'm working on is is working on that while not sacrificing too much of the green line. Mm-hmm. No, I think they will start. Sort they will be kind of come together more. But uh, you know, when you stop when you stop nut pedaling, you will probably potentially lose less overall, but you will gain in that red line. So, but yeah, that that is that's where I'm at now. Is is trying to well, <laughs> there's that ship. There's one way to have your red line go straight up. Like you just shove every single hand pre flop, and like you, your red line, <laughs> they'll either fold or they'll call, and you'll go to showdown, and your red line <laughs> will never go down. So like it can be taken too far, right? Writing that down as an advice right now. That is how I will play <laughs> poker. <laughs> New strategy. Got to jam the so. jam the French out of yourself. Just jam, jam, jam. Yes. Um, <laughs> so. You you stumbled across the village. You started immersing yourself into poker. Um, I think you are one of the customers who's bought all the things um, that I've created, all the different strategies with Nuffle and Feeding Frenzy and oh, Barrel, all absolutely. that stuff. Tell me your thoughts on you know the data-driven approach and I guess the way that sort of myself and the villagers go about immersing themselves and improving their poker games. Well, that's, I mean, I think probably another thing you said early on, I don't know what it was, but I heard you say something along the lines. Basically, you you discounted this GTO concept to some degree. Or, or you, I don't know if you're against it, whatever it was. Not that I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, and I'm like, thank God, because I don't understand. I mean, I, I have a basic understanding, but I don't understand it. But the concept itself, it doesn't make any goddamn sense to me. I'm not playing a computer. I'm playing Joe Schmo, who's a mailman, and you know, da, 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 he's a human being. I'm playing a human being. Why would I want to study what a computer would do when I could actually now, with all this new technology, study exactly what freaking humans do? Yeah. Like it's a no. It's a no-brainer to me. And, and maybe I'm just absent-minded in that way. Like maybe I'm just I'm discounting no, the value. No. We can. But, so this is the way that I like to think about it. And I think it's easy for the listener to internalize and view it as well. It's like if you're playing rock, paper, scissors, and you don't know anything about anything, right? Right. The way to not lose is to randomize and just randomly choose rock, paper, or scissors if you're able to randomize, which, by the way, this is another big thing as it relates to randomizing is humans can't do it. Right. That's kind of a significant problem. We're really right. bad at it, but if we have like – you know, some little randomizer that we can press a button and it'll tell us rock, paper, scissors, and we just follow that um, to a T, we're most likely going to break even over our lifetimes playing rock, paper, scissors, right? And that's just like the GTO approach. You're not going to lose, right? But then if you're playing against someone who now chooses rock 80% of the time, right? This is data that influences your strategy. And to continue randomizing, to not lose, but you're also not going to win either. 
um, to me is just kind of foolishness. And if you're playing somebody that is going to choose rock 80% of the time, well, just choose paper 100% of the time and win 80%, right? That's exploiting the strategy that they're using that is inefficient. And for me, like this is what poker's always been. It's been identifying inefficient strategies that my opponents are deploying and then countering it with what I think is better. Um, And that's really where the edge has come from. And so I think there is a place for GTO in that, you know, we can see how spots are supposed to be played against, uh, you know, uh, an opponent that is ultra high level and basically invulnerable. And this is the equilibrium that we're, we're seeing. And to me, like as somebody that's played poker for their whole adult life for a living, there's beauty in seeing a solution. There's real beauty in seeing like, wow, this is how like, it should be played. But the right. rub is it's never played like this. And we're right, playing right. a game against imperfect people. And so, yeah, like I love solvers and that like we can look at very specific spots. We can ask very specific questions and see how a spot's supposed to be played. And that's useful. But to just use the inputs and extract the outputs and try to like apply them and execute them dogmatically, it's not possible and it's futile. And, and Really, it just is going to hinder your development as a poker player because you're going to think that like you're doing things well and you're not doing things well. Because the deal is the solver is solving for the abstractions, the inputs you put into it. And if you were to input extra information, say if you told the solver that was solving for rock, paper, scissors, that this player chooses rock 80% of the time, the solver would tell you straight away, choose paper every time. Right, right. If, if that was the input, you gave it, right? So right. again, make sure that you're asking good questions and that your inputs are accurate to the situation before you just take it away. Take away the output is like the gospel. And I think that that's where my methodology kind of differs from the crowd. And to be fair, like I was heavily influenced by the work that like Detox did and Nick Howard, Patrick Howard, those guys, where it's like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, it's so obvious to me. Let's just look right. at like, hundred million hands and see what people are doing in these spots and then create strategies that are better than what they're doing so that we right. like win money. And that to me, I just, it, it makes so much sense to me. It's so obvious and it's kind of dumbfounding that like the entirety of the poker world hasn't caught on yet. But I mean, yeah. So anyway, that's my long diatribe on GTO and the utility of it. There is a utility and it does right. make sense. It's just you got to ask good questions and you, you have to go further than GTO, really. You need to understand right. people because this is a game right. of people, first and foremost. There it is, folks. You heard it. Drop the mic. I love it. <laughs> mic drop. That's it. It just makes, it just makes so much. I just love it. That's why, that's why, that's why I, I, I'm part of the village. Why I, if you have a product, uh, it's, it's mine. You know, that right there is why. Because I, I, I just agree. You know, it just makes sense to me. So And... Tell me about relationships that you've made from the village, because I know that, um, you know, a bunch of you guys got together out West yes. and hung out. I believe it was in Reno. Tell me about yeah, that. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's another one of those. I mean, it's, it's priceless to me. Um, I have a study group. I'm going to give a shout out to David Bond and Steven Begabab. Begabab. <laughs> <laughs> call, call him Captain Steve. He's my Captain Steve. But uh, yeah, two guys I study with regularly. Um, we met through one of the one of the programs and on the village and uh, 
<laughs> it was kind of funny. We're like, hey, I'm going to be in Reno at this time. Hey, I'm going to be in Reno this time. Hey, I'm coming to Reno. Let's do it. Let's meet up, you know. So we all go down and meet up at the Pepper Mill. Uh, turns out David lives like an hour away from me in Washington. Oh, like, wow. holy shit, dude. We got we to gotta, we gotta hook up. We got to connect. And we have. We've gone and played poker locally. And, and uh, but yeah, I've, I've developed like those guys and, and a lot of the villagers, they're going to be friends in my life, whatever I end up doing. Like that's what that's community has developed. You could submit questions. You could submit information. You can get feedback, and it's it's candid. It's honest. It's personable. It's 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 a village, and it takes a village, and it's awesome. And I love being a part of it. You know, and I'm I'm obviously I'm the I'm what as recreational as it gets, so to speak, because I'm I'm still pretty new, but I don't I'm not made to feel like I'm an idiot or I don't know what I'm doing or not about poker idea, anyway. You know, you're right, right. <laughs> <laughs> The rest of it, <laughs> hey. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But exactly, yeah. And that's 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 why I love it. I appreciate what you what you've created. So thank and you for from me. And I appreciate it, man. And it's to me, it's it's a joy and a pleasure having y'all stumble upon the village and find a home and make friends. And like, it's incredible that this stuff happens without me even having to be involved, you know, like you, right. me, Gab and bond y'all got together. I'm sure you message each other privately on Slack and built relationships and study groups and sort of something that just happened. That is again, um, I made the Slack group, but I didn't connect everybody. I can't facilitate all these relationships and it's just good to see that things kind of have taken a life of their own. Yeah, definitely. And organically too, which is most important, you know, it makes it real. Um, on, on that vein, um, are you doing anything in World Series this year by chance that you know of yet? I don't know yet. I'm, okay. I'm in a spot with my business right now where, as you know, it requires most of my waking life and energy. Right. Right. And originally I had planned to do something at the WSOP but I haven't planned any sort of marketing strategy. I haven't planned anything. And I'm not even confident of what's going to happen because of the Delta variant Very and true. all that Very stuff. True. So really, yep. I'm just kind of playing it by ear. And okay. I haven't scheduled anything. To my knowledge, if I do go, it'll just be to hang out, but not in like any sort of marketing capacity. Right. Um, right. So yeah, I, I, I'll eventually get out there like maybe next year okay. uh, for like growing CPG specifically. But I also want to travel around. Like I have, you know, Matt Savage is coming back on the pod next week. I don't know when that episode is going to drop, but like him and I are going to talk about going to some WPT events and how to get set up with like marketing and promoting CPG at the WPT events that he organizes. And, you know, he's the executive tour director there. So, right. Yeah, there's going to awesome. be there's going to be plenty of opportunities, I think, moving forward. And hey, now that you've got your magic pill, you know, we got right. plenty. We got we got some time now that, right. that maybe we didn't have before. Well, careful what you ask for, because I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> can I can I say something to that? And this may be out of bounds, but it's something that I just I thought about. You know, I know that it's a mind fuck for you getting this sort of new lease on life. And I would say that there are lots of kids that have had cystic fibrosis, you know, that passed away, that never got this opportunity. And right. if you think about what it would have meant for them, you know, to just have a life, 
that you can procreate and imagine getting old and right. just living a, a fulfilling, normal life. Um, it's, I'm sure that if you carry that around with you, you'll realize the importance of the medical breakthrough and the opportunity that you have that other people didn't have. And that, you know, I feel like it, it ought to be honored for them specifically. Right. Yeah, sure. I'll just put that on me. Thanks. <laughs> I think no, I, I definitely hear what you're saying. And it's one thing about this community that surprises me is how much I love the people in the group right. genuinely with my whole heart. I love you guys. And I, I just do. And, you know, I, I want the very best for each and every single one of you. So I'm not trying to, not trying to give you a burden. Um, <laughs> just giving you some food for thought. Well, it's, it's, you know, have you ever asked what the meaning of life is? Do you have Many an answer times. for that? Do you have the answer? Do you have your answer? <clears throat> oh man, <laughs> we're let's let's hear your answer first, so that I can collect my thoughts because that's well, a for, that's for quite me, a big question. It is and it isn't. The meaning of life is to live. That's it. It's to live. Now, to quantify that, then you're getting into some crazy deep, you know, shit. But but if you're given life, you don't owe anybody anything. And I don't mean to counteract what you're saying, and I don't want it to sound like that. But, and you don't even owe yourself anything necessarily. But if you were given life, the meaning of life is to live. So live it, whatever that means, whatever capacity that means. You know, and it, it's, it's for me, that's, that's my take on it. And it's that simple. I, I've been given more life. I'm definitely going to live it. It may not be righteous. It may not change the world. It, it I may didn't say not you honor, had to. Didn't say you had to change the world to right. be no, righteous. No, 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 definitely, definitely. But it's it's one of those like that's I can you know that's an easier people an easier reaction. It's like you have this opportunity, you should go in. Da 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 da. No, I'm just gonna live because that's that's the meaning of my life. That's that's what I'm gonna do, and it's gonna be awesome, and or it's not. I don't know. <laughs> I, so, I haven't had time to collect my own thoughts and the meaning of life, but I would say, I, I, it changes. I think it's different from person to person. My own life, what gives me meaning is in helping people, um, helping people find their path, making an impact, and creating relationships that are meaningful to me. Um, that's ultimately the driving force behind most of the things that I do. And, you know, the, the number one regret of the dying is that they didn't live a life that was true to themselves. And hey, fucking men. <laughs> for the longest time, you know, I thought about that quote. It was from a hospice worker in Australia who interviewed people who were dying. And right. she asked him specifically, and that was the number one regret. And I thought for the longest time, like how sad that was, right? Like, man, it, it's very sad that that's the number one regret. And why didn't they change things? And I just ultimately realized that like, if they had to do it all over again, they probably would have done the same shit that they did the first time yep. because we honestly, humanity doesn't even know how to live a life that's true to themselves. They don't know what it means. They don't know how to take risks. They feel these like contradictory emotions and contradictory pulls and you know you want to do something, but then you have every reason not to do it 
And so you do something else that you know you don't want to do because, you know, it quote unquote makes sense. And I think therein lies the path to living a life that's true to yourself. It's knowing what you want, knowing who you are and honoring that and just going from there. So listeners on this episode, uh, Brad is dropping greatness bombs right here. (laughs) (laughs) Atomic greatness bombs. That was, that was beautifully said. I appreciate it, man. Um, and who knows? I could just be wrong about everything. That's the, Damn, yeah, that that's makes the beauty of it, right? <laughs> uh, man, it's been it's been great having you here today on your birthday. Um, you didn't have to schedule it on your birthday, you know? Why did you choose your birthday? Because I'm not a birthday I'm not a birthday guy, but it's not mine. It's Doyle's birthday, bro. The legend. Come on. Nah, this is our Miho's day. Fuck Doyle. All right. This I is our Miho's that. day. No. Um, uh, Honestly, it was for me. This was this was stepping out onto a stage where the the greatest, most famous actors have performed, and I'm not great or an actor, but you're giving me the chance to step on that stage, and that that fucking meant the world to be, man. So, so thank you. Well, when this drops, um, hopefully it'll be a good birthday present, and I'm sure that everybody in the audience will enjoy this conversation and getting to know you better. Um, while we wrap up, if you're listening to this right now, you want to get to know Ian Armijo, any of the other villagers, myself, head to greatnessvillage.com and click through, join the newsletter, and that'll get you in there. And then it's up to you to put yourself out there and you know be a member of, this, of the community. And um, Armijo, anything else that you'd like to add before we sign off? you have a favorite hand? Do I have a favorite hand? Yeah. <sighs> no. I'm okay. I'm really I'm really boring that way. What's your favorite uh, hand? My favorite hand is the seven deuce. Why? Because when you're born, you're dealt a hand. People people have dealt a hand. I was dealt the seven deuce, and I've been fucking rolling fools with that for forty years now. I've been kicking ass and taking names with the seven deuce for forty years. So that's my favorite hand. <laughs> you ever think that maybe you were born with like aces, and you just you're just pretending you got the seven deuce? That's the thing. The aces up my sleeve, brother. <laughs> <laughs> all right man take care have a good rest of your birthday we'll talk soon i appreciate it man thank you thanks for listening to chasing poker greatness you can subscribe on apple podcasts or on your favorite podcast app go to chasingpokergreatness.com to get the newsletter join the greatness village community book a coaching session or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.